How's it going? I'm playing my uh, Gibson 12-string guitar. And if I remember correctly, I think this is a uh, this is the 12-strings debut uh, on the podcast. But um, it doesn't get enough play. It's one of my favorite guitars, and I I worked very hard to buy this guitar and it took me a long time I I kind of paid it off slowly but you know it's a very specific instrument so um, it has its place uh, very very strongly in some in some areas but then you know other times it's a maybe a little bit inappropriate but I just love that like kind of Big sound, big beautiful day. Um, how are you? How's it going? I hope you're doing well. Um, it's been a, it's been quite the productive week, I have to say. Um, the exciting news around around town here is, um, well, there's quite a bit of exciting news. Let me think. But the most exciting news is I started mastering my next album. Now, mastering is the final finish, the final sheen. That kind of last seal of this is it, this is what it should sound like. And that was kind of, um, aside from like visuals and an actual release plan, that's like the last thing holding up the actual product from being ready to to be released. Um, and then on top of that, I also got to see the music video that I told you about that, uh, that we shot. And again, um, music videos are sort of at an, at an interesting place. They're, you know, used to be like, whatever 80s 90s it was like mtv that was it you know it was all music videos and then that kind of really translated into like the early 2000s and then the mid 2000s and um into like kind of like especially like a lot of um my americana heroes you know they kind of all had really cool music videos today they're not like maybe like career-wise as important but but because of their importance they've sort of created this like it's almost you do it for a ritual of like you know and, and it, it almost becomes part of the art you know what kind of video could go along with this song you know um and i've always had fun with it it's a fun little challenge and, and music videos seem to do well people like them and you know it's fun um it just looks cool and and it's a great way to sort of give your song a little home you know Um, but you know, but when you get to do something great, like on a higher level, it, it doesn't matter what you're, it's just so cool. And I, I, I did a whole podcast on this, um, the moving, the, the, the actual move, the moving to Nashville episode that was like, cause I, we shot the music video right before we moved. So, uh, that, that, that episode is all about it, but it was just so freaking exciting. And I got to do it on such a high level with super like just professional people directed by, by my buddy Julia Kreitzer and and um, just incredible and and my friend Mika kind of did everything uh, cinematographer like um, helped direct as well so it, it was just a crazy crazy project by far the most like professional visual thing I've ever been part of and you know it's something cool when um, 
when when you like so much work um goes into something and then you see the product and you're like it just feels kind of easy and, and that's what you want you want it to just feel natural you don't want it to feel like okay here's a steady cam here's it like you know here the lighting is perfect you just don't think about any of that stuff that's the cool thing about something being done so well you know you could pour all kinds of effort into a song into recording the song into accompanying the song and then mixing it and mastering it and putting it out but ultimately it you just want it to sound like a freaking song, you know? That's all you want. You don't want someone to listen and be like, ooh, you know? The over-intellectualization -intellect of, of craft is just, it's not really great for the enjoyment of art. You know, it could be fun, and maybe that's, you could even argue that that is the art, you know? I was kind of taking it apart, but yeah. So, so, so cool. Got to see that for the first time. Uh, and again, I'm usually like heavily involved in the editing process of my music videos. I had nothing to do with this whole process. Like it's just here, it's done. Here you go. Like so cool. I love that. I trust, um, I trust Julia and Mika and all these people. So it's just so, so cool. And so very exciting. So the, the, the album is starting to really like kind of take shape. It's starting to look like something. And, um, um, yeah. So just, uh, yeah, I mean, finding the right people to work with, the right collaborators, people you can trust, people you can afford, frankly, you know, uh, it's just a big, it's a big deal. Very, very fun. Um, I'm glad we got to do it. So, um... You know, on YouTube, they've got those like um, how it's made videos, usually like, I don't know, like Business Insider, one of those YouTube channels or like, you know, why is Swiss this kind of cheese so expensive or or how is it made, you know? Um, but the so I was watching this thing about Portuguese sardines and supposedly, you know, the, these are supposed to be like the best canned sardines out of Portugal. Um, and I was just so moved by kind of the story of the factory and they went into the history and the founder was talking about it and people are like tasting it and it's like, and I have like a weird soft spot for canned sardines, which is like, I'm usually not like a, I'm not the most like fish guy and, you know, canned fish is it's a whole, it's a whole other bag of hammers, you know? Um, but for some reason I have this thing with sardines I just like them I, maybe I romanticize them you're eating a whole little fish it's just exciting and I, I have them on a, a little like saltine type cracker and some sort of like something else on there to you know one little other element and you're good to go um, you still also eat them a lot like backpacking because there's so much energy you know you have it in olive oil and you just throw that thing down you have that protein and that fat it's really good when you're backpacking you know you're just like exhausting all of your energy uh, especially me I'm not the strongest I'm not the strongest uh, camel in the desert. So, um, so I was watching this thing last night, and I like became I just became obsessed with like, okay, I gotta get my hands on some of these sardines. They're hard to find in the states. You could find them. You could buy them on Amazon. They're quite expensive. Um, but I found them. There's a, a there's like I guess it's a chain called World Market, and there's one in Nashville, and they have like I, I spoke to them. They have two. They have two cans in the whole store. So I'm I'm going over there now after this uh to and hopefully no one got there before me you know we'll uh we'll see but uh hopefully no one got there before me man uh we took such a cool trip 
um, this weekend. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, I threw a bunch of pictures up uh, on there on my story. Um, but just so, uh, I'll tell you all about that in a bit, but it was really fascinating. But um, we got to, uh, we went to this this store, this, not store, Jesus, this restaurant in town called Monell's. Monell's is in this old kind of Victorian-esque, big, beautiful stone house converted into a restaurant. And it's soul food. And you eat it family style. So you just sit around the table with a bunch of strangers. And it's all like a fixed price. And you have kind of waiters, but they just keep bringing food. And they make every, make sure everything gets passed around. So, I mean, I've been hearing about this place for years. Uh, never actually ended up going, but finally, like, uh, some friends of friends were in town. They're like, we're going. You guys should come. Great. So we went, and, you know, you just sit down, and there's some strangers. There's this cute little family, a mom and two kids, a daughter and son, and they were just, like, adorable. You know, you like, you, you meet a kid, and they're just, like, super smart. You know, it's, like, it's so cool. I have some nieces and nephews that are like that. You know, it's just like, oh, my God, what? You know, how are we, I was like, I wasn't a quarter of this intelligent at that age. But anyway, so that was really cute. And then there was a family. Well, there was a, a couple and then a best friend and then a brother traveling together from Chicago. And they were just like so kind of hilarious and cracking jokes. And we got along. And before you know it, you feel, it feels like family style. You feel like you're just around a table of family and you know, we're chucking and jiving and, and we're talking about Tesla and pickup trucks and the mayor, Lori Lightfoot of Chicago. She's a little crazy. We're talking, you know, we're talking food and trips. They're on their way to Orlando to take a cruise to the Bahamas. And uh, they were just adorable. They were so present, so cute, so much fun. And, uh, you know, I was like, whenever you have experiences like that, you're like, all right, so do we just like take each other's numbers and stay friends forever, you know? Uh, they were very sweet. They told me I looked like I was 15 years old, which is uh, very generous of them. Because I feel like I look like I'm, you know, 40. But so so fun, so sweet, and oh my god, just fried chicken and and cat fried catfish and like all this other like you know obviously the the classic like collard greens and hush puppies and mashed potatoes. They had banana, uh, what's it called, banana pudding, all kinds of cool cool stuff that uh like. I don't know. It's just it felt felt so good. It felt like it's exciting, but then you end up eating too much. You know, it's always the tough thing. Um. So one of my favorite, uh, like current, I'd say, uh, uh, movie directors is Noah Noah Baumbach. Actually, I've like put put his name in a couple of songs of mine for fun. You know, um, Noah Baumbach. He, I guess, his most famous movie directed would probably be uh, Marriage Stories, that newer one, came out on Netflix, I believe, with um, with uh, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. But um, he's like this really great. Uh, he's almost like Wes Anderson esque. Uh, very very p- pretty pretty photography. Very like the colors very consistent, and it really sets the mood. And it's just kind of day to day. He's a little bit more mundane than Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, I would say, is a little bit more abstract, a little bit more fantastical. So he's got a movie called The Squid and the Whale, and I've seen it at least like three four times. Just watched it again and. So I guess it's, I think it's on Prime now, um, but it's got a 
it's funny. It's um that guy from Dumb and Dumber. Uh, what's his name? Not obviously not Jim Carrey, the other guy. And he plays like this serious role. And it took me like even after I realized it was him, it, it just I couldn't accept it because he's so different, but so great. Um, it's just a movie about kind of like a family breaking apart. And there's these two sons, and you know, older son and younger son. The younger son kind of chooses the mom. The you know the the older son kind of um chooses goes with the dad, but. Although at the and and he, and they can't see he can't see his dad's flaws you know his dad will be kind of really like not great and he doesn't see them you know he just thinks he's perfect and he hates the mom for breaking up the family et cetera et cetera et cetera and it's just a great great movie and by the end of the movie he kind of comes around and it's just it has a perfect ending and the character development is just like perfect just the it's just a picture into humanity it's beautiful it's highly highly recommend it. But um, anyway, this song kind of has a place in the movie, uh, and if you watch it, you'll 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 see what I mean. But uh, this is one of my favorite little songs in high school. Hey, you out there in the cold, getting lonely, getting old. Can you feel me? Hey you, standing in the aisles with itchy feet and fading smiles, can you feel me? Hey you, don't you help them to bury the line? Don't give in without a By the phone, would you touch me? Hey, you, with your ear against the wall, waiting for someone to call, how would you touch me? Hey, you, would you help me to carry the stone? Open your coming home But it was only a fantasy My wall was too high as you can see No matter how we tried he could not to his brain Hey you Out there on the road Always doing what you told Can you help me Oh, hey, you There beyond the wall Breaking bottles in the hall Can you help me? Hey, you 
Don't tell me there's no hope at all Together we stand Divided we fall to listen to that song in high school and you know i mean when you're just like a uh, <laughs> fantastically emotional uh teenager going through it figuring stuff out um trying to make your own way in your life and and um, figure out what it what the hell it means to be alive you know that is that's the song you know you have that one and Shine on you, crazy diamond, comfortably numb, us and them. I mean, just, you know, Pink Floyd is just, they're kind of underrated in this weird way where they're just so part of culture um, that people don't really ponder their success. And like, you know, when you think of Pink Floyd, you kind of think of their albums. You don't even think of like what they look like. Actually, it was Dave Gilmore's uh, birthday yesterday. So that works out. But, you know, I mean, Roger Waters is a bit like, he's a little bit like, um, you know, outspoken, so I guess he, he kind of gets in front of the band name a little bit, you know, but um, really just the greatness of that band is just, they were, they were their music, you know, um, they, they changed the way music was like, uh, recorded, um, pot really popularized kind of their, the new version of the wall of sound, you know, where maybe it used to be like the Beach Boys and kind of very vocal driven and they just used all these effects and made these huge sounding records, you know, Absolutely, just, uh, and then, you know, the songs hold up, which is crazy, you know, Money, and Time, and Great Gig in the Sky, what's that one that's like, uh, look mommy, there are airplanes in the sky, I don't know, but, um, you know, just, uh, one of my favorite bands as a teenager, and, you know, it's fun to like, go back and, and revisit that stuff, you know, Oh, that's the song. This guitar works perfect for. Uh. Ah, whatever. Um, Boston, you know that song. Um, anyway, so. Uh, we we're looking for something to do. Felt like you know we just wanted to drive somewhere and get to know Tennessee, Kentucky, get to know the South a little bit more and. You know, because Nashville, even our neighborhood alone within Nashville, it's such an easy place to just kind of stay there. There's you, They have everything you need, and there's fun bars and restaurants and little stores and, you know, places to socialize and meet people and talk to people and meet friends. So it's kind of, you forget to, like, get out. <laughs> you know, that. so we're like, okay, let's go somewhere. Going on a road trip. Should we go to Chattanooga? Chattanooga, that's a bit too far. Um, so I do some Googling, some snooping around, and I see elk and bison prairie. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, prairie preserve. It's like, okay, interesting. So I start learning about land between the lakes and land between the lakes National Wildlife Refuge. It's this spot between the Tennessee and the Cumberland River, and after the rivers were dammed, 
Uh, this place was designated, I think, by Kennedy in the 60s, a national wildlife refuge. And, um, you know, really pretty fascinating history, and there's different parts of it, and they have here, and it's like an hour, about an hour, 45 minutes from home. And they've got an elk and bison prairie preserve where, you know, the idea is to like kind of simulate what that would have looked like when there were still bison and elk out there. And, you know, I, I know, I mean, like bison are kind of one of my favorite animals and I love elk and I know a little bit about them. You know, I've seen them in the wild and, uh, and you know, I've read books. I literally read a book called American Buffalo by Steve Rinella. It's one of my favorite books. I highly recommend it. Um, but... I, you still forget that elk and bison are, are not these like only Western creatures. You know, they were across the plains. You'd find bison as as far east as Maryland, you know. Um, elk are native to, to like parts of like um, upstate New York and Pennsylvania. And they're, they've actually been introduced in Pennsylvania. And then they're talking about reintroducing them in the Adirondacks, upstate New York. But they need a lot of room, unlike moose, which are, you know, there's lots of them up there. But anyway, so you forget, you know, you think of Kentucky and Tennessee and whatever. You don't think of bison herds, but there were bison here, you know. So, and then there's also the side of the grasslands. There's a lot of these native grasses that, you know, don't really exist anymore because there's not really any more native prairie. It's either farms or suburbs or whatever, and everything's been so messed with. So the idea is to preserve this prairie and these native grasslands along with, you know, a herd of elk and bison. And, you know, it's almost like a a prettier safari in a way because you know it's fenced in and you kind of you, you so you, you go in there it's five bucks okay and then you're in this little like um i don't know how many acres but you know about the size of like a, a nice size farm so it takes a while but and you just drive around and like there was a herd of elk just right there and what's so cool is out west uh, when I, I went out west this summer i did a really fun road trip and um i only saw really one male, one bull elk in the wild, and it was so cool and so exciting, a young bull elk, and then I saw a whole herd of, of, of cows, of females, in Yellowstone, and so that was it, you know, and I really kind of look, looked out for them, I actually saw moose, which was, you know, pretty crazy, and that was fun, but, you know, saw tons of bison, tons of, but, so here, here there was like a herd of elk, and I was really close to them, and it was just so beautiful, so exciting, they're so cute, they're beautiful animals, um, you know, and, and there they are, like they weren't hard to find. It wasn't this like big giant wilderness area where you don't really know if you'll see them, which that has its own excitement, but it was so cool. And then there are the Buffalo, you know, and just, I, I just love bison. I mean, they're these, just these, you know, ancient kind of ice age creatures that are so beautiful and so majestic and they are strong and, you know, people see, see them as cute, which I understand. I, I, I really do think they're adorable, but you know, more more people, I believe, get messed up by bison than they do by, like, grizzly bears out west, you know, because, and oftentimes tourists are like, oh, look at that cute bull, and then the bull just, like, throws them 30 feet up in the air, is like, get the hell out of here, and then they break their rib cage or something. So, I, I mean, we're driving through, and, you know, and it's this big loop, so we did it a few times, and here are the bison, and, and, you know, they're just, like, it's crazy being close to them. It's, I, it never gets old, um... And actually, uh, my rancher friend out west, Harvey, he's he's currently raising, he's ranching bison, you know. So I got to get real up close and personal with them uh, on the ranch in South Dakota. But you know, 
These aren't, and these aren't wild bison either. These might as well be farm bison. They have tags in their ears and they're in this fenced enclosure. But, you know, you kind of fall for what it's all about. It's, it's this prairie preserve and you do see these gorgeous grasses and, you know, maybe you learn about the grasses and you're really in this little environment that they've recreated, you know. So it's just so cool and beautiful that, you know, places like that exist. And again, like to drive an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes from, our home here in Nashville and, and be in that environment. It's just so special. And by the way, on the way we stopped at my favorite donut place in the world is in the town where we got our cat. Our cat's name is Ellie, where we got her um, in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Uh, Whistle stop donuts, just the best donuts in the world. They were just as good as last time. They're incredible. So beautiful. Um, So that was fun. You know, really uh, just, Oh my God, just so, so much fun. So beautiful. And, and then in this land between the lakes national wildlife refuge um there's also a like a recreated log homestead most of the the cabins and stuff were they were moved for, but from places in that area they've recreated what you know homestead would have been like like the 1700s and stuff so you had a mule and it was like you know um, it had a plow behind it and it plowing and gorgeous cabins and the way they built log cabins down south are very different than back east because they were designed for these very hot summers they build these giant breezeways so you'd almost have like a, a square of a cabin and they build another square with an open to the wind i think east and west facing um kind of breezeway and what it does is encourages especially that you you know they'd often like build these homesteads in these little hollers they call them you know little like upper mountain valley um and it would encourage the breeze like so basically it was like an air conditioner either to get air now you'd pay for it in the winter because then it was extra cold but i guess they decided they'd rather be cooler in the summer than than warmer in the winter um but you know i mean just uh so cool and this is all like national forest service stuff you know this is like the the united states forest service and, and you know this is like that's what it is they're paying for it it's so cool um absolutely absolutely exciting and you know people are like in their period costumes and stuff and you know showing you around and their sheep and everything's just created so so cool and um there's a black a blacksmith shop and a wool spinning thing and then like you know they're drying tobacco in one of them and um just just so so cool and the way they built these cabins i, I don't know if i told you this but i i grew up in a log cabin um, it burned down when I was about 10 years old and then the, the new farmhouse is like still wood and actually wood from the from the farm, but not quite a log cabin. There's part of it survived. So a little bit is a log cabin and, and we've got some log cabins in the woods, you know, on the family farm. But, 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 you know, as a kid, you, I, I lived in one, you know, and they're built very, very different. These are square timber. So the logs are squared off. So they really like kind of pack together real well and it, it looks a little bit more like a like just a regular kind of wall as opposed to the round, you know, jutting out. Um, but but you know, very log cabin esque nonetheless. And you know, that's a harder uh, cabin to build, I think, a harder one to mill, and it's just more work. But you know, um, just it was just so much fun. You know, you're in such an adventure. You ever like doing something? You know, maybe it's like a farmer's market or like a neighborhood event, and you're like, I, I can't believe like. I had nothing to do with creating this. I just get to show up and enjoy it, you know, and maybe you pay a couple bucks, whatever. But there's something so cool about that. I love zoos for that reason. I love aquariums. So you just you just show up, you pay, and then you get to see these amazing things, you know. 
um, absolutely magnificent, uh, had such a good time, and, um, <sighs> yeah, um, I met this other guy that I just, I really want to tell you about, but, uh, let's, let's do a song, let's do another song here, nice little love song, um, yeah, let's do a little love song, let's see how this goes. Love me tender, love me sweet Never let me go You have made my life complete And I love you so Love me tender, love me true All my dreams fulfilled For my darling, I love you And I always will Love me tender, love me long Take me to your heart For it's there that I belong Love me tender, love me true, all my dreams fulfilled. For my darling, I love you, and I always will. Love me tender, love me dear, tell me you are mine. Be yours through all the years Till the end of time Love me tender, love me true All my dreams fulfilled For my darling There's a great, uh, there's great footage of Elvis singing that on Johnny Carson back in the day. It was like to promote, I guess, the movie, uh, with the same, with the same title, I believe. And, um, it's so cool cause Elvis is kind of, he's really, you know, the audience is one of those, like the girls are screaming and he's, he's, he's flirting with the audience and, but also flirting with the song and kind of going in and out of the character of the song. So he'll kind of really lean into it in a very like intense way and then kind of break character and chuckle and joke and kind of wink, you know, like he's in on the joke. He's making fun of kind of the, the seriousness or the sappiness of the song. And, um, I think we forget just how fun rock and roll was like in those early days and, and how much fun, you could have with the character of the song, you know, it was going in and out, but it was, it was the humor that allowed him to also get very serious and, and be vulnerable. And I, I think, I think that we've kind of lost a little bit of that balance, you know, where it's like almost really emotional or just like really whatever. Like, I love that back and forth and you, and that's, that's human, man. Like that's human emotion, you know, it's like, 
uh, I find myself certainly in very like vulnerable or emotional um, situations, kind of cracking jokes because you know it's like I can't be too serious, and and you know uh, the opposite is true as well, um, where you know with humor you could maybe express certain vulnerabilities and certain like kind of maybe serious um, convictions or feelings, um, and a lot of those like kind of ballady type love songs, um, I think did a great job at that um you know they were romantic you know just romantic as hell but um you know it also had this lightheartedness to them and you know i'd say i'm just as guilty as anyone you know with my songs uh maybe kind of you know um falling into uh the character too much or but uh certainly like with my live show i love just you know like people tell me I'm funny now. I, I'm not a funny person. Like I, I, I remember as a kid, I always wanted to be funny, but like, never was I funny. You know, would once in a while get lucky and get the whole class to laugh. But you know, I'm just, I'm not. I've accepted a long time ago. I'm just not. I appreciate humor. Like I have a sense of humor, and I, I love comedians. But I am not like a funny person. However, when we do these shows, you know, especially like a, that's a fun rock and roll show with the band and stuff. You know, you get to sometimes be a little bit funnier what people don't realize is because that's being juxtaposed juxtaposed what's the word juxtaposed anyway it's being juxtaposed by kind of the seriousness of of a song you know um and, and there's great relief in that and you know the audience is kind of relieved and no one wants to just be dragged down by just one thing you know that's life you're you're laughing you're crying and, you know everything in between and so yeah that's so much fun um, I must be going. However, I want to tell you about this man I met. I met this man. He was fishing. He was sitting by the pond. So we're driving through land of the lake's National Wildlife Refuge. And, you know, you're just in the woods and it's very pretty. And it's a little bit different than back east. I, I noticed that the creek beds are very white. You know, they have this kind of ashen clay-like river bottom. And, you know, the hills are a little bit more rounded off. You're in, you're in, you're in the plains, you know, and even in the mountains, it's still kind of flat and, and you're in the plains. Um, we come along this little pond to the little parking lot, you know, kind of very national, uh, national forest service, kind of very like, you know, put a, an outhouse and a couple of picnic tables and benches and stuff. So we get out and we start walking around the pond and it's a, not a terribly big pond, you know, um, maybe half a mile in, in diameter and but there's a little end of the pond that's kind of um obscured from the view of the road and we're walking we're walking and then we we see a guy sitting and he's sitting by the pond kind of just cross-legged on the ground he, he's got a beard and looks to be about 50 years old maybe and we're walking you know you don't want to bother him and we get pretty close to him and he kind of turns around and, and was like you know shocked he didn't hear us coming you know he was so in the moment um, he's like, oh, you scared me. I was like, oh, sorry. And we we get to chatting, and he's clearly fishing. And he just starts, he's got this giant smile, no teeth, no teeth, big smile. And he's so warm and friendly and open. And he kind of gave the vibe of just like this happy, you know, like kid in a candy store. You know, he was so in his element. He was so at home. He was so happy. And just, you know, right away, like infectious, like you're just in it with him. And you're just happy. You're smiling ear to ear. And he starts talking about, how, you know, how he's fishing and he's using little minnows. And as he's talking, a 
a, a largemouth bass just bites and he's like, oh yeah, I've caught 20 fish today. And, and, and he's got this beautiful Southern accent, very, very strong, very thick. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to, I've embarrassed myself here before. I'm not going to do it again. I can't do it. But he was so beautiful. He was just gorgeous. And he's talking with such a joy and he's like, oh, if you're a kid, you know, you could just like be put up here and you know, this is all you need and just fish tackle and you know, you're good. You're set for the day. This would be so much fun. And he's clearly talking like if you were a kid, like he's freaking happy. He's just doing this. He's not going anywhere. You didn't even hear us coming. He's so present. And you know, it's cool. It's like, I know a little bit about fishing. So I could talk to him about his technique. And then he caught, uh, you know, he caught a little, a bluegill and you know, um, and he, he's using his little live minnows and hooks them on, you know, on the tails so that they're still alive and they could run around and the bass are just eating it up. And he was just so cute and, you know, we get to really just enjoy him and listen to him talk and then, you know, keep walking and let him have his day. And then we come around to the pond that's closest to the road and he's already obscured from view. Very pretty little pond, a little, you know, wooden bridge you got to walk over, over the stream. And so we, we, we get to the road part and there's uh, someone else fishing and and they're like oh yeah we haven't caught anything and this is like my most experience like fishing is just like if you're not catching anything just try another part of the lake and most often if you're near the parking lot the fish aren't going to be biting the other guy was in this like kind of swampy excuse me swampy murky part of the pond and he was just catching left and right we were talking to him for maybe five minutes and he caught two fish just during that interim so it was like a really cute lesson, but they were also so sweet. Everyone was so friendly and open and smiley. And, you know, um, it was just a really, really fun, fun experience. And again, like just got to see elk and bison up close. They're just such magnificent creatures. And, um, you know, learned a bit about the history. And history is complicated. What's crazy is when it was designated a national wildlife refuge, people who lived there probably all their lives were were forced to leave. You know, and I think you just kind of meditate on that a little bit. And here's this amazing thing that's really great for the environment and good for, you know, wildlife and habitat and this educational thing that kids could come enjoy. And it's just, it's a great thing, but it came to be in maybe not the most, you know, comfortable way. And people were literally, that could have been their home for a hundred years or 200 years. And, you know, you go, well, you know, that homestead that your grandpappy built and everything, uh, you got to get the hell out of here. We're going to buy your property and you got to move, you know, and I bet you they're not like, Oh great. There's a wildlife refuge. How nice is that? That the government pays for these things. You know, I bet they have a very different perspective. Now it doesn't take away from the fact that it is a wonderful thing that, that things like this exist. It's such a wonderful thing that by the way, um, you know, this country that we dog on and has all kinds of issues and, uh, you know, is not the greatest country in the world and by, by any means, but we did do that very well and kind of before other places, um, through the help of, of, of characters like Theodore Roosevelt, we were one of the first kind of certainly superpowers to designate wildlife areas and national parks and, and stuff like this and national forests. So, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to to enjoy, to appreciate, to be a part of, to have perspective on, to understand, um, and and witness, you know, and, and visit. So it's a beautiful thing. But then again, you know, I bet you, yeah, like they're not like, yay, National Wildlife Refuge. There's elk and bison. They're like, yeah, it's it's the shit is complicated. It is really complicated, you know. Um, and 
all you can do is just kind of forgive people for their perspective and whether you are able, you know, here it's like very understandable. So like if someone who had their farm there, their homestead there, and then they got, you know, forced to leave because, well, now this whole thing is national wildlife refuge. Like you can understand why they wouldn't be thrilled about it. Right. So, but I think often when you meet anybody and they have certain convictions that maybe you don't understand and you feel very, very strongly the opposite, and maybe you even feel like they are part of a bigger problem by subscribing to this like ideology, you know, oftentimes you can, um, whether it's clear or not, there's another perspective that they're being bogged down by. And something that really blew me away, um, and uh, Andrew Yang talked about this a bit, but people have written books about this, where if people are poor or economically deprived, they are they don't give a shit about like let's say something like climate change. If people can't afford rent and or you know can barely feed their kids, um, certainly can't afford like a doctor's bill or a car breaking down, and you come to them and say, hey, you know, climate change is like they won't care, you know, and it's a very human thing. It's this human. Uh, weakness, blind spot, I don't even know, but it just changes your perspective. And and so instead of going, hey, look at this like stupid person who doesn't care, you go, look at this person who's suffering and having a hard time. You know, man, I wish that they could have an easier time and suffer less. Because first of all, they are human beings and that'd be better for them. But also, you know, then they would have the like luxury of caring about these like kind of larger, more abstract, but very, very important and pressing issues, you know, and, and that's, that's perspective, man. Like it's, uh, it's certainly hard. And, you know, I talk about this stuff, I think about this stuff, but it's like, I'm by no means like, I'm by no means, um, like an expert at, uh, any, any form of forgiveness or anything, but I certainly try and try to be aware of this shit. Cause like, otherwise you run around, you know, thinking that people are, you know, uh, really, frankly, you just, you, you run around thinking that people are less great than they truly are. You know, that's the thing. If someone's shitty, I don't care. I'll think that, you know, think they're shitty. But oftentimes I think that we are, we are, we're assuming the worst and, and, um, you know, maybe not seeing the full picture and, and really, cause you know, you walk away with, Oh, people aren't as bad as you think they are, or, or they're actually quite amazing and quite extraordinary in these ways, you know? Um, it's, uh, it's important and it just enriches your life and it makes your life better. And, you know, forgiveness, man, it's the best, you know, Leonard Cohen has written and spoken about it, you know, the embarrassment of being alive and just the forgiveness of, 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 you know, of being part of life and, Again, I've quoted this song a bunch of times, but Knights of Santiago came out after uh, he died. Um, I'm looking at a picture of him right now on my desk. It's just great <laughs> photo of Leonard with a cigarette dangling from his mouth playing an ovation uh, nylon string guitar. He's just, he's just uh, you know, in front of a microphone on stage, his hair gelled back, and he looks about to be like 43 years old or something, but what a beautiful man. So Knights of Santiago which is based on a Frederick Garcia Lorca poem, which is, he's one of my favorite Spanish poets that I discovered while, while on tour in Kennebunkport, Maine. But my friends, they had a, a Frederick Garcia Lorca book, and, and I just happened to come across it and fell in love with his poetry, and only later found out that he was one of Leonard's favorite poets as well. Um, so, there, you know, there's this great line in the song, and you, you might know it, I've, I've certainly spoken about it here, but it's this great song about um, 
you know, kind of cheating and, uh, you know, this kind of ill, uh, morally ill relationship, you know, there's whatever, there's adultery going on. And, um, and in the song Leonard writes, he goes, um, you were born to judge the world, forgive me, but I wasn't. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, if you meditate on that long enough, you just, you walk away with a lot. You also walk away with the fact that Leonard was both people, you know, he was you and me. Um, he was the judge or he was, he was the judge, um, judger, that's not a word. He was the judge and he was also trying to not be, you know, he was trying to forgive and yeah, man, so, so beautiful. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and thanks for, uh, this 12 string is so much fun to play. It's kind of, it's really its own little instrument in a weird way. Uh, I haven't played it a lot lately, but really when you get to like really playing it, you sort of, you adapt your guitar playing to it. You know, you can play it better and better. So I think I'm going to have fun with it just over the week and maybe keep it out of its case and just have it hang around the living room. Um, I've got a gig coming up in Nashville this Tuesday at, I want to say, Winner's Bar. Um, and, and then another gig the Tuesday after at Cabana Taps, I believe. Give me a second. Yep, March 8th, uh, um, part of the New in Town Songwriter Series at Winner's Bar in Nashville. That's this Tuesday, uh, tomorrow. And then a week after that, March 13th at 6 p.m., I'll be at Cabana Taps, which is part of the Pin Drop um, Songwriter Series as well. Another song, Nashville-style songwriter round. I'm so freaking excited, so lucky to be playing around town here. Um, share this podcast. Uh, I've been looking at the numbers. It's been pr really consistent, which is so cool. Uh, means that you guys are like, uh, just, you know, we're really having a conversation. We're here every week together. I love it. And I feel so fortunate. Um, let's see if we could, you know, up those numbers. I don't know, uh, sh share it with a couple of friends. Maybe each of you share it with three friends and maybe out of those three, one of them likes it, you know, which is my prediction. <laughs> That's my prediction. If you send it to three people, uh, two will respond to you and one of them will actually enjoy it. Um, but maybe we could double the numbers and, and, uh, you know, uh, spread the good word of the elk and bison and, uh, this, this little, little guitar I got here. Thank you so, so much for, uh, for tuning in. I appreciate you so much. Have a beautiful, wonderful week. Uh, take some time. Go have a weird sardine or something that just, I don't know, makes you feel inspired or connected to just this grand, grand experience that is, uh, I don't know, being alive and just...